Welcome, everybody. It's time for Talent Talk Radio Show, brought to you by People G2, a company founded in 2001. People G2 is dedicated to helping clients with their people-related decisions by giving them access to the best human capital, due diligence, and background checks on prospective candidates, business partners, tenants, and much more. People G2 was recently named one of the best places to work right here in Orange County, as well as one of the fastest-growing private companies by the Orange County Business Journal. So to hear more about People G2 and the people they know, let's bring in our host for Talent Talk, Chris Dyer. Hey, Chris. Good afternoon, and thank you for joining me. Again, my name is Chris Dyer, and I'll be your host for the next hour. In case you're tuning in for the first time, the Talent Talk radio show features a wide range of guests who care about talent or are particularly talented themselves. And we have a pretty good example of all of those things today on our show. So we talk about talent in those two ways. First as it relates to success and uncovering the secrets of really talented people. And second, we talk to those people who deal with talent and human resources or as HR leaders in trying to find the best candidates for their company today. Hopefully that makes sense. The word talent has a two meetings there in the business world, and we look to explore those areas each and every show here on Talent Talk Radio. My guests include CEOs, entrepreneurs, HR executives from all types of industries. And when I'm out at conferences or CEO groups, I have the privilege of meeting inspiring leaders all the time. In fact, my first guest today is one of those people who I've met at a CEO roundtable. We'll get to him shortly. But I created this forum to allow you to listen in on our dialogue and learn some practical advice that will hopefully impact your own career in a positive way. Before I get to my guests today, Allende Alakoye and Steve Nunez, I want to thank those of you who are tuning in live, but don't forget you can submit your questions via Twitter. Just tweet at PeopleG2 with a hashtag Talent Talk, and my producer Mike will try to feed me the best questions, and we'll work them into the show. Also, don't forget you can tune into the show via a podcast on iTunes and Android. You just need to subscribe to the show and it'll get sent to you every week you can listen when it's convenient for you in the car at the gym or whatever's best with that said let's get today's show started my first guest is uh Allende from uh, hitch radio he is the ceo there and uh, founder so Allende, welcome to the show hey thanks a lot chris it's great to uh to talk to you again yeah, it's been, a, it's been a few months, I think, or maybe a little more than that, since our first meeting at the uh, CEO Roundtable in West, uh, West Los Angeles. That's right. But I was very impressed by you and your company. It's a, it's a great thing that you're, you're doing with this show as well. Well, thank you very much. Well, and now you've gotten the, uh, the compliment, and now I guess we'll talk about you. So, <laughs> so tell sure. us about yourself and your company, Hitch Radio. Sure. Well, um, well I'm looking forward to the show. I, I, I'm hoping it's going to be exciting for your for your audience, uh, I, I'm a romantic. I grew up in Washington, D.C., and my family um, happened to move around a lot in, in the metro area there. And mm-hmm. so I probably went to about seven or eight different schools, and the only constant in my life was probably radio. So when I'd move, I'd, I'd still feel connected to my friends because I'd turn on the radio station, and I knew that they were still listening to the same DJs and songs that I was listening to, even though I was in a different town. Right. So it was... It was that comfort level that radio provided me. So it, it's kind of no surprise that I would grow up and have a career in radio. And, and that's what I did. I, I um, became the top salesperson uh, for the, the, uh, the number one radio station in D.C. 
um, at the uh, at the time uh, called WTOP. At the time, it was an AM station. Now it's an AM and FM station. It's the number one revenue radio station in the country. And um, then I moved on to to work for Clear Channel and for CBS. After that, so I became um, uh, the top one of the top advertising sales reps in the country. Well, that's quite impressive. Now, and you've also had some other really interesting accolades and, and accomplishments in your career, which we'll get to today. But I, I wondered, you know, as a... Actually, maybe before we jump to the next question, maybe you can tell us a little bit more about Hitch Radio and what it does and how it works. Sure. As I said, I, I'm a romantic, so when I moved to Los Angeles, I really missed my radio stations back east, and I knew that it wasn't a limitation on the medium, but it was a limitation on um, the distribution model that radio uh, subscribed to. And so I wanted to solve that problem. And so um, back in 2003, I started a company called Thumb Radio, which was to bring every radio station on the planet to your cell phone. And as you can imagine, it was about 10 years too early. You know, we had one of the first apps before there was an app store. We had to contend with walled gardens and a lot of moving parts back then. And so fast forward to 2010, I really believed that the idea still had some resonance and then social media started to happen and so we combined the two we we set out to index uh, every radio station on the planet and in real time so that you could search for anything that you wanted to listen to find it playing on a radio station anywhere in the world and then hitch a ride on that radio station and then you could share it with your friends in real time so that you could share it on Facebook and Twitter and let your friends hitch a ride with you and then control their radio dial in real time. So that's what we are endeavoring to do. And so far we have 20,000 radio stations on our network. And hitching is, is live and ready for everybody to do today at, uh, at hitchradio.com. Well, and it's a wonderful idea, and I think it's it's very simple. I mean, I'm sure it's not simple on the back end for what you're doing. But the, <laughs> yeah. but the idea is simple, and for people it's simple. That, hey, I, you know, I want to hear... You know, Beyonce right now, and you go on, you find the song, and you share it with your friends, and it makes it very simple. And I think that's a great idea. Thanks. So, you know, looking at this from the startup perspective, though, when you're starting a company, I think it's pretty obvious that you want to make sure you have the right people in place uh, to make sure that things really go. So what are some of the don'ts that people need to consider when hiring, you know, for a startup? Absolutely. I've done a lot of the don'ts, so I could probably <laughs> go on for days, but I could give you three three don'ts. And I don't know if if anyone has had this experience, but it's definitely a don't. It'll probably be a first for your, your show. But don't hire somebody and then move into their office. I know it sounds pretty obvious, hmm. but, um, but I think even LeBron James, I don't know if there are any basketball fans in the audience today, but I think LeBron James made that same mistake. In Miami, last season in particular, when LeBron was becoming the main star, yet he was in Dwayne Wade's house. You know, right. it, was, uh, it was Dwayne Wade had already won a championship in Miami. Mm-hmm. So ultimately, the way that it resolved was that D. Wade gave up his team, and he allowed uh, LeBron James to be the king there. Right. Um, and they won a championship. So that, Another basketball uh, example might be Dwight Howard did the same thing, and he did not work out. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So it was it was a, a tough lesson for me, to, it, and it didn't work out. You, you really have to pay attention to territory. 
you want to start in neutral ground or bring the person to you. But probably some more more basic ones would be, you know, don't hire based on pedigree. Um, when I first started the company, you know, we were enamored by the same things that Series A funders would be enamored by, right, pedigree. And we thought that that would help us to, to attract more capital. But in fact, you know, that's not really a good indicator that there's going to be a fit. And that's the most important thing, that there is a fit uh, with your team and with your chemistry and that, that the people that you bring on are as invested as you are in the success of the company. And, and finally, probably the, the one that, that is probably the most important for me is don't bring somebody on full-time when you can bring them on, on a consultant or a child basis while you get to know them, you know? Well, that's really great advice. So, you know, with the ability to reach a global market, what do you see as your biggest opportunity through Hitch Radio? Now that you have the right people in place, we hope. Yeah, absolutely. We we, uh, we it took a while, but we finally got the balance and had the right people in place. And we're all completely focused on this global market. I mean, there's a lot of opportunities, right? So, so our stated mission is to connect the world by real time indexing every radio station on the planet on one social hub. And, and we, you know, we believe that means that we can capture you know, a huge amount of the billions of radio listeners that are, you know, listening to radio daily. In the U.S. alone, it's 92% of the U.S. market listens to radio. I know for a fact 100% of your audience today, Chris, listens to radio. But uh, Of course, yeah. <laughs> it's a joke. Uh, so, so, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, no, but, but, you know, my goal is to have a single person drive over a million people in real time. So you can hitch a ride on, on anyone, and, and that single person might be uh, a star driver. But we really want to get across that this is a different way to listen to radio and to consume content. And that means that we could even have an artist become, you know, become a breakout artist, have a breakout hit within 30 seconds, or have radio stations buying their data, uh, their real-time data from us so they can program more effectively. But aside from all sort of the business implications, there, we believe that the biggest opportunity is, is not financial. It's, it's that one day, you know, you're going to have, um, in the not-so-distant future, you're going to have somebody from Ghana hitching a ride with somebody from Russia, and they'll connect for five or ten minutes over a Michael Jackson song playing in Australia, and they'll see each other's profiles. Uh, they'll, they'll listen together. They're, maybe they'll laugh together uh, as they're chatting um, together, and Somewhere in their subconscious, they'll realize that they're more alike than they are disalike. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's really the point of Hitch, Hitch Radio, to connect people based on their interests as opposed to demographics. One of the interesting components for me when I looked at, at your service was trying to discover new music, at least new to me, that might be happening in other parts of the world. Because sometimes we get a little insulated here with what radio stations will put on the air and songs that get overplayed to death. And I find myself wanting to be exposed to things that are happening in other parts of the world. And so you can really pick those up. You can see what other people are sharing, what they're listening to. You know, it's hard to say, well, geez, I'd like to know what they're listening to in India. Well, what does that mean? But if you're going to go into look at from a social standpoint, what's really being shared, what's popular, you know, what are people talking about? It may be a lot easier to kind of find those new emerging or different types of music with your service. Exactly. That's You raise a really key point, and thanks for saying that. I mean, if you look at the phenomenon of, of Psy, right? 
Mm-hmm. That happens because we live in such an insulated environment in the U.S., right? Mm-hmm. Because <laughs> uh, I remember the first time I saw him on Ellen DeGeneres before he really kind of blew up. I remember the way that Ellen was treating him, and she always treats all of her guests with great respect. But you could tell Cy had a little bit of a chip on his shoulder because he's a huge star already, right? Right. right. And she didn't realize that, right? So, <laughs> but but it's it's funny, and, and that's exactly right. You you don't know what's playing in Korea, or you don't know what's playing in India. But the funny thing about it is that American music is played all over the world, and so you might want to hitch a ride on smooth jazz or, or R&B, and you'll find yourself in these different countries. Or you'll hitch a ride with your friend, and you'll discover what happens next. That's really what the, the beauty of Hitch Radio is. And it's not just music, I should say. It's, it's news, sports, talk, and soon people, GT, G2's talent talk will be on Hitch Radio as well. Oh, that's great. Well, switching gears, I want, I, we said we, you had some interesting things in your background, and I wanted to kind of ask you about some of that stuff right now. You know, one of your past experiences included working as a speech contributor and advisor to then presidential candidate, now our president, Barack Obama. So talk about the opportunity and how that helped you recognize the influence that you you could have on others and maybe how it helped you see the possibilities and importance of reaching a global audience. Sure. That, that, that kind of really happened organically. I was not too far removed from thumb radio and had just obviously a lot of passion for for Barack Obama, so I got really involved in the campaign. And before I knew it, I was connected to David Axelrod, and I was able to share some ideas and some thoughts. And before I knew it, they were using my words in a speech. One of the speeches that I remember was, or I should say the main speech, where they took a, a big chunk of the words that I wrote, uh, was for the South Carolina acceptance speech, um, the primary acceptance speech. And it was, paraphrased, it was the the choice in this election isn't between black and white or rich, rich and poor. The choice is between the past and the future. Hmm. And when I saw him say those words, it was it was surreal, you know, because I was confident that he was going to be our president. Right. And it was, uh, and it was really for me, it was a real bolstering of my confidence at that point in my life because, you know, after sort of three years of telling people that everybody's going to be listening to music and radio on their cell phones, and three years of people, like big companies and big VCs telling us, you know, nobody's going to listen to radio on their cell phone. And then seeing it, you know, come to fruition today, it's hilarious. But, right. but yeah, it, it, was, it was kind of tough, but it was just a reminder that, you know, as crazy as your ideas are, they should still be pursued if they came to you because there's a reason why they came to you, you know? Yeah, I mean, sometimes being ahead of things is, it can be difficult when you're ahead of the pace and ahead of the curve. And unless you're the kind of person that has a, an extra $500 million in the bank to be able to drive your own <laughs> ideas, you know, sometimes that can be a very frustrating thing. I mean, we, some friends and I, we, we, we've had ideas before and just thought it was just no way anyone was ever going to take on it. And then 10 years later, we'll see that idea finally you know, go and we we kick ourselves for not jumping on it, but at the same time, we really didn't have the the ability to make that happen. Um, yeah, and that's kind of like that. It's kind of like the the Malcolm Gladwell question about you know the ten thousand hours, and, right. which which I remember a coach 
once told me, because I, I played volleyball. I played volleyball in college. I moved out here in Los Angeles to play volleyball professionally, actually. And, and for those uh, that don't know, Andy's very tall. So for the <laughs> listeners over there, I, I'm tall. I'm like 6'2", and he, I was looking straight up. So no, 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 tall no. Guy. You, you, you exaggerate. I, I'm 6'4". So. <laughs> okay. But Maybe I was sitting down, but okay. You were sitting down. Okay. You're, I was towering over you sitting down. <laughs> so my coach said to me once, long time ago, before Malcolm Gladwell wrote this book, he said to me, it takes 10 years to get good at anything. I really sort of took that to heart. And it's, it's kind of tr- it, it is very true. And it's one of those things where if you can persevere, I mean, th- it's just so funny because people always talk about, you know, the 10-year overnight success. And if you can persevere for a long time, you don't know how long. It could be maybe not that long. But if you can persevere, I, I think things actually start to click and happen. Well, you must have been doing a good job with, with radio and, and what you're doing in your life because you were recently named as the Emerging Emancipator and received the Emancipation of Capital Award alongside other honorees like Representative John Lewis, Mark Burnett, Reverend Al Sharpton, and Mark Cuban. So what was this award specifically honoring you for, and what did it feel like to be recognized with some of, some of them I consider a very elite group of honorees? Oh, man, I... Let me just start with the, the last one first, which is what was it like? It was, you know, pinching myself, awe-inspiring, crazy. I mean, just, you just take one of those honorees, you take, take Representative John Lewis, who is, is the only living person who was at the original march on Washington and spoke at the podium. He's just a legendary man who's done so much for, for all Americans, and um, it was just a huge, tremendous honor you you hear people talking about it's an honor to be nominated it it really was just an honor to be there what it does is it kind of renews your vigor what i got honored for was new media and uh and digital and and so there were you know different areas that people were honored for and mine was new media and digital and what hitch radio is about is it's more than just music or entertainment or news or talk or sports or whatever listening to that with your friends it's actually about something much bigger, and, and it's a first step in a really long journey. And, and that is that, as many of your listeners may be aware of, there are currently six companies that own 90% of American media today. In 1983, there were 50 companies that own 90% of American media. So you see that it's, it's getting smaller and smaller. And the way that we feel about it, and we're very passionate about it, is that when you have a small amount of people, you know, uh, contributing all of the information that we, we know about the world, then that is, to put it lightly, I think it's not the best way for a democracy to run. No. <laughs> I mean, the, the idea of choice and competition is something that our country has always been founded on and very supportive of. But you're right, in the last, oh, 10, 20 years, in many, many industries, that's gone away. And that, Absolutely. And then brought us so many other problems. Absolutely. So I, I think the point you're getting to here is you may have this democratization within the radio of what people are listening to and where they're going and, and uh, what they're experiencing. Absolutely. And, you know, w- what we're excited about, so we're, we're going to be adding your show to our network in the next uh, 30 days. And what we're really excited about is that that means that not only will you be listed, because you, you guys are already on some very powerful directories, right? Mm-hmm. But it's difficult for people to discover you, right? And so we want to get your voice out there, and so that's 
social component does, right? Because your friend, your your listeners will post it on their Facebook, and then their friends can hitch a ride with them and actually listen in real time with them. So it's it's sort of taking we're acting as the digital bridge for radio stations, particularly smaller mom and pop radio stations, so that they can have the same signal and broadcast power as these big radio stations like Clear Channels and the CBSs of the world. Yeah, I remember some ridiculous movie, I don't know if it was in the 90s or late 80s, with, with uh, Christian Slater broadcasting a, a radio show and driving around and people were trying to put a stop to it. I don't know if you remember that movie or not. Oh, yes. Yeah, I don't know if it was called Pirate Radio or I, I don't know. My it wife, wasn't Pirate Radio. It was, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I do remember. I've, I've seen bits and pieces of Now I'm going to have to watch it. Yeah, it's but really good. And, you know, it's interesting because back then it was to be able to do it on your own, right? To be able to have that medium that you could do it on your own. You didn't. He was doing without a license. He yeah. was broadcasting, you know, what he wanted to listen to and not what everyone... Not, I mean, it's the same kind of concept, right? It was really before social media and it was yeah. before all those other things. And it's so funny how that was... He was the bad boy, right? Yeah. And really now you're doing that and you're kind of like going to be the hero to people who can get the things that they want to get wherever in the world that they want it. Right. <laughs> we hope, right? We hope, we hope. <laughs> exactly. So when you take all of these experiences, uh, you know, plus the other positions you've held with CBS Radio and Clear Channel Radio, how have they helped you to f- to form the leader you are today? Well, first of all, I'm, I'm struck by, and anybody who, who knows radio, I'm just struck by how lucky I've been to to have worked at the radio stations I've I've been a part of, um, and I don't say that lightly. I mean, I I it's, it's kind of crazy, but I think that all that was for, I mean, I'm, I'm a person who has, who, who just believes that everything happens for a reason, right? And I believe it, and a higher purpose for my, for my life. And I think that all of the luck that I was lavish with, I would say, with the, with the radio stations I got to work with, mm-hmm. and, the, and the managers, you know, sort of all funneled into what I'm doing today. Founding a company is totally different than, you know, um, sort of the, the work experiences that sort of informed the foundation. You know, for me, the biggest thing for about my leadership has been sort of learning patience, right? Because, like, as you said before, it's frustrating when you're a little bit ahead of the curve. For me, it's just about being patient, not only with sort of employees and, and the funding cycles, but the entire process, you know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, one of our favorite questions to ask here on the show is, what are you reading right now? Can you tell us about the book or books that you're that you're kind of diving into? Yeah, I, I typically like to read sort of a, a spiritual book and a business book at the same time, but I've actually combined the two. There's there's a book by Bishop Rodney Sampson. It's called Kingonomics, and it it basically takes the principles of Dr. You know Martin Luther King, and it applies them to to economics and business. And it's it's really well written and very interesting. I've just sort of cracked it open, but there's some really cool insights that it has. If, if I may, I, I'll share a couple of the principles because there are twelve principles that, that yeah. It, uh, P- yeah, pick so, a few of the best. We don't have time for all twelve. We're almost out of time yeah, here, no, but yeah, no, no. <laughs> there's there's service, you know, connectivity, reciprocity, positivity, self-image, diversity. And on and on, you know. So mm-hmm. it's, it's very it's, it's a very interesting application of Dr. King's philosophy. 
Well, I really appreciate you being on the show today. You've been a, a fabulous guest. Uh, before we go, if people want to learn more about you and Hitch Radio, how can they do that? Oh, yeah, easy. They can either hitch a ride with me at, at hitchradio.com or they can um, they can just email me at my first name at Hitch Radio. So that's A-Y-I-N-D-E at Hitch Radio. Well, great. Uh, thank you so much for being a part of the Talent Talk radio show today. Thank you, Chris. Uh, I would love to have you back on. We'd you know, keep uh, tabs on what you're doing and your successes. Thank you so much. Oh, actually, um, we're, we're doing an Indiegogo um, as well. So if anybody wants to be a part of this this, uh, this radio revolution, they can go to Indiegogo and look for Hitch Radio as well. Thank okay. you so much. Okay. It was a pleasure having you. Up next, Steve Nunez will be on the show after this quick commercial break. Imagine what it would feel like to lose everything. Your job, your home, your family, your dignity. This has happened to thousands of the men, women, veterans, and young adults we serve at Working Wardrobes. What do we do to help? We provide career development services, life skills workshops, job skills training. We provide the perfect interview outfit, and we get clients placed in jobs. Call Working Wardrobes, 714-210-2460. Donate, volunteer, invest, hire. When it comes to pioneers in their respective industries, we all know the Apples, Starbucks, and Trader Joe's of the world. In the realm of recruiting, Decision Toolbox is the industry's best-kept secret. With 90% of their business from referrals and repeat customers, for over 20 years, Decision Toolbox's U.S.-based team of recruiters, sourcers, professional writers, quality personnel, and tech support has perfected a Six Sigma approach to talent management. No matter the size of the project, Decision Toolbox delivers incredible results. A cost per hire less than half of what contingency firms charge. With the winning candidate presented in an average of 14 days. All with a 12-month candidate warranty. With results like that, Decision Toolbox won't be a secret for long. Visit us at www.dtoolbox.com for more information. And now back to Chris and his next guest. Welcome back to the Town Talk Radio Show. Just a quick reminder, you can subscribe to the podcasts of this show or listen to past shows by visiting octalkradio.net and clicking on the show tabs and clicking on Talent Talk. You can also reach it through iTunes or the Android market. It's always there for you whenever you want to take a listen. In the short time we've existed, we've amassed a huge following on iTunes, and we really thank you. My next guest is Steve Nunez, Vice President of Human Resources for Penske Motor Group. Don't forget to tweet your questions live right now for Steve by sending them to at peopleg2, hashtag talent talk. Without further ado, Steve, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Chris. So tell us about yourself and a bit about your background in HR and uh, you're at the company you work for, Penske Motor Group. Uh, yes, thank you, and, and again, thank you for uh, the invitation to join you this afternoon, and uh, hello to everyone out there. Presently, the uh, Vice President of Human Resources for Penske Motor Group, we are a uh, privately owned automotive retail organization. We own several uh, dealerships in, in California, both in the southern market and the northern California market. 
We actually are the proud owners of uh, Longo Toyota, Longo Lexus, which is which happens to be the largest automotive retail store uh, in the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, what, what sort of your background in HR? I know you and I have have worked together before in the past with the previous people you've worked for. But you know, how did you get started in HR, and 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 how, what kind of led you to where you are today? Like many, uh, started out in business school. Uh, trying to figure out uh, exactly, you know, where the passion was. And uh, for a while, I thought maybe I was going to be an engineer like my father, uh, but found my way uh, going in the people direction and ended up, you know, in human resources coming out of coming out of college. Had some early opportunities to work with some management consulting firms uh, as a college student, doing some internships, and that's kind of what, that, that was my introduction to HR, where I learned about executive recruiting, learned about employee relations, how to write handbooks, etc. That kind of was my start. Uh, early on, uh, really had a strong focus in the uh, recruiting areas of HR, and then uh, had an opportunity to uh, actually join the automotive industry out in Michigan for a number of years, working in the large automotive factories out there, and really was able to cut my teeth uh, in the automotive industry, learning employee relations and labor relations, et cetera, mm-hmm. HR management, and then being from Southern California, found my way back out here and uh, developed a um, an HR management career uh, with um, Hewlett-Packard and then uh, moving into uh, uh, Caterpillar and, and into Penske. So, you know, with your experience in HR over the last 20 years, over that time, there's been a lot of changes, certainly in the way... Uh, what matters and how really HR is handled, particularly when it comes to employment law. How have those changes really impacted your strategic approach to HR, especially uh, in your latest position with Penske? Yeah, great question and a timely question because it certainly uh, is an everyday part of uh, of what we do in support you know of the organization. Really, really, the short answer is is a lot more communications is required. In this day and age, and say what I remember in the past, but mm-hmm. um, you know, more training of our management team, more training of our workforce about you know the right way to do business, the right way to conduct yourselves, the right way to you know be professional and take care of your uh, you know the guests and your coworkers, etc. So there's a, there's a, a much greater awareness, whether it's through you know classroom meetings, uh, whether it's through email blasts and newsletters and communication boards, all the different communication vehicles are, are alive and well, and we use them all uh, often to, uh, to make sure that everyone is well aware of, of, of what's going on in the business, how we're doing, uh, and then things to, um, you know, to be aware of that uh, are important to the organization. So do you find that communication is maybe a really big challenge? I mean, it sounds like you're kind of indicating that there's a lot more to communicate. Are we looking at the employment law and, and things, but then you also have very different groups of people probably within your organization who want to be communicated with, at least from an effectiveness standpoint, in very different ways. Those that want classroom, those that want that one-on-one, those that may want an email or those that would respond better to a text. You have all these varying groups of people within an organization. So is that kind of what you're seeing, that communication is harder because of what you have to communicate and how you have to communicate it? Yeah, I mean you've hit you've hit on all those important areas, and just what's challenging is that we have to be good at all those things. Mm-hmm. We have to be good in all methods and all ways of communication, uh, because at the end of the day, like you said, it's it's important that 
you know, everyone learns in a different way and, and prefers communications in a different way. Not all of our workforce is sitting behind, you know, sitting at a desk behind a computer. You know, we have many that are out in shops, uh, driving, you know, driving around, delivering parts, etc. So people are all over the place, and you got to figure out, you know, what's the best way to reach folks. And um, you know, I think one of the more challenging areas that our managers uh, are faced with is, you know, how do you how do you put a personal touch to all of this? So mm-hmm. you know, it's more easy to have these group communication sessions, but you know, meeting with folks one on one requires a lot of time, and uh, and you have to be skillful in in how you're able to uh, communicate with folks and setting expectations, and and then you know, hearing and understanding their concerns and and you know their ideas and and how you take all that and try to imply it into the business. It's, uh, I always say, you know, being a manager is, is, is probably one of the more difficult things to do. You've got customers, you've got employees, you've got business partners, you've got senior managers, everyone coming at you at all times, and you've got to be good at being able to uh, communicate, you know, with everyone. Well, as our uh, human resources guru today, I'm sure that you have your hands in the recruiting and training uh, of your staff. So what are some of the keys or tools that you utilize to bring in top talent and really keep your talent uh, motivated and, and working hard within your organization yeah i think i think first you got to have you got to have skillful people on board to be able to go find skillful people mm-hmm. so i think that that's kind of a starting point for me and you know, do i have you know the right people on staff that understand the business understand the needs and expectations of the business and they and they can go into the marketplace and find that talent that can can come on board, join us, and, and help us execute. Uh, but what we're what we're definitely the, the types of tools that are definitely helping us, and what we're having to 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 learn how to use and get really efficient with. And we didn't have these 10, 20 years ago. But things like you know applicant tracking systems and and assessment tools. And we had assessment tools back in the day, but but now you've got these web-based tools mm-hmm. that are highly analytical. And, and, of course, you know, the use of social media and being able to, you know, communicate with talent and attract people in, 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 in the big world of social media is, you know, easier said than done. So, again, we need skillful people that know how to navigate and uh, know how to make connections and networking. So you mentioned something at the beginning of your reply there about having to have talented people kind of already in, involved in the process in order to kind of keep that uh, going to be able to find more talented people. And so a lot of times that comes through mentorship or that comes from some level of having someone who's really has an impact on you. When you look at, at your own career, your own, you know, kind of leadership style, was there someone that, you know, maybe really had a profound impact on you in your career? Yes. I mean, there's probably been several um, that, that come to mind. And, and it seems like in every organization I've been in, and, you know, the, the, the four or five, there was always one or two people in each organization that, that you really identified with, you really looked up to. Uh, you know, it was good, you know, just an overall good relationship back and forth. And, and so, you, you know, you're able to, to um, look to these people for guidance and direction and, you know, through, through, the, through a personal relationship. And, you, you really just, or at least myself, anyways, you really learned from from many people throughout uh, you know my career, and and uh, you know really really appreciate you know those lessons, you know those relationships, um, 
and, and not just in HR either. You know, I've had uh, you know mentors, uh, you know, in the operations side and the financial side, and it really helps to uh, you know broaden your overall you know business knowledge and background. Mm-hmm. Well, two of the notable companies that you worked for uh, previously, you know, the director of HR for Hewlett Packard, and also with uh, Quinn uh, Caterpillar Group. How 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 do the kind of that work experience really influence the the leader you are today? Greatly, you know. I always had the goal or, or the desire to work for the you know the best companies in their industries, and I really you know worked hard to you know to find those opportunities. Being lucky enough to you know have the the ability to come into those organizations and and contribute and you know show show what you can do. Uh, was something that uh, you know you take a lot of take a lot of pride in. Having been in those roles, I mean, you really appreciate what it took for those organizations to get to where they are, being the leaders in their industry, and you want to also be able to uh, you know mimic that or be able to be consistent with that. So you, you know you strive to be uh, you know a leader and you practice you know those leadership skills you know that are uh, required to be in those organizations and be able to kind of move up throughout and you know probably the, the 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 biggest the biggest thing that that I recall working for those organizations is just the there's so much talent uh, and you're working around some of the brightest and smartest people you know in the industry and in the in the in the professions it really really just kind of motivates you to to do your best and to always you know kind of stay on top of your game you know, do what you can to, to support everyone yeah competitive motivation there you know sometimes when you're in a position and I, I found that when you're in that position to mentor someone or to help them, you know, maybe work on the things that they're not good at. For me, it was a really shined a light back on maybe what I wasn't doing well. Um, maybe really think about the things that I need to work on, especially when you spend your day or part of your day reminding others, you know, what they're doing or not doing or how they can improve. So has there ever been something you've identified in, you know about yourself that you thought you know I really need to work at this and you had to put in some time and and, and to really get there yeah i think as you as you grow in your career you you know you kind of learn that you learn by doing so you learn by taking control of everything that comes at you and you try to get it done all your you know all on your own maybe you're not as likely to 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 share or maybe work at work in a team as is uh, as often as you should. So, so especially as I as I grew in management, you understand that hey, you got to become a better leader of delegation, and you have mm-hmm. to be able to. That there's a time to delegate. There's a time not to. And 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 people people want the opportunity to be able to learn. So it's not true, right? To get things done right, you got to do it yourself. That's not something that that uh, that I believe in. You know, you're only as good as your team is what I believe in. So you really, you know, learn how to delegate, learn how to move, work around, and get everybody involved and really tap into those, um, you know, those skills and those talents that, and ideas that people bring to the table. That's what a leader is, getting people to follow you. So, you know, there probably, there's probably some people out there, maybe some of those skills come naturally too, but, but I think, that, you know, most of us have had to kind of learn that along the way, and you get better and better with it. Within that group setting that you mentioned, you know, and having to really be uh, a motivator within a team setting, brainstorming and, and kind of creative problem solving is one of the things that can really impact an organization. 
people come up with great ideas, solve a problem, you know, have a, come up with some idea that ends up saving the company all kinds of money or uh, you know, a new sales channel. So how do you brainstorm effectively within your team and the organization? Yeah, I think that's one of the funnest part of the job is uh, getting your team together and and uh, you, you're blocking out the time and you're, you try to make sure that the, the distractions are, are limited and you really, you know, put the problem out there and you get, uh, you, know, you get the five, the seven, or the, or the eight people to get together and you really try to brainstorm on how, how to find solutions uh, with certain issues going on in the organization. And, uh, and, and it's contagious, right? You, you, people hear ideas from others and that spurs them on and gets them, uh, you know, gets them going. And uh, I, I enjoy, you know, putting the challenges out there. You ask people, you know, where your passions are. I mean, if, if I look at the field of HR, you know, some people have passion for, you know, staffing and recruiting, for example, or, or, or training and development. And th- th- and those people also have ideas and contributions into the other areas of, you know, of the department of the field. And uh, so we, I pull everybody together. So mm-hmm. even though the topics are general, I bring everybody in, and uh, and, and we really you know uh, you know ask the questions and put them out there and let let people uh, jump in and, and provide and give people projects, research projects, go research research this topic, come back with some options that we can consider, best practices, what are the other best companies doing, you know things like that are, are a lot of fun. So so the, you know, that's a good way to kind of get good ideas going, but. The other challenge that uh, human resources can have is you get someone in, they may be talented, uh, they may have uh, a good work ethic, they're you know, certainly a good employee, but the, the challenge is how do you get them to develop their own talent and want to be better than they are today? Because people can get very stagnant, they can be very comfortable, maybe they're making enough money that you know that they're not that worried about it, but really within an organization, if you have people trying to be better than they are today, that's typically a catalyst for growth and, you know, real results within an organization. So do you have any tips or tricks that you use to kind of help people want to get past that and to really develop themselves? Uh, yeah, I mean, it really is an issue for us. I mean, we, you know, our organization has been around for 40-plus years, and, and we're, we're proud to say that, you know, our average years of service here is 10-plus is years. So half of our workforce has been here for 20-plus years, and, and uh, have have all been very successful, but but over time, yeah, people people tend to get uh, a little stagnant and, and maybe not as quick with their step as maybe they used to be. So, and when you've got very large, you know, groups, populations of folks, uh, you know, in that you know working at that level, yeah, you've got to figure out ways to keep the uh, keep the motivation, up, keep the the inspiration, and keep people striving. I, mean, I tell people all the time, I, you know, I know you've been here for 20 years, but guess what? We need you more today than we ever have in the past mm-hmm. because business, business conditions are not the same. They're, they're, it's very challenging. It's very competitive. Just because, you know, we're number one doesn't mean that, um, you know, we're going to be number one five, ten years from now. Uh, we, we, we've seen big brand-name companies fall by the wayside, you know, for, for, for different reasons. Yeah, uh, we don't want to be one of those those folks. We, we you know we want to, we want to stay stay on top. We we want this business to be here for the, for the next generation, for the for the up and coming uh, you know family and friends and the communities, etc. So you know I think sometimes you gotta 
you know, get people thinking about other people than themselves. And, and, and we spend a lot of time out in the community giving back. Um, you know, I think that inspires people. Hey, let's get out of the workplace. Let's go and, uh, and let's go run a 5K. Let's go do a triathlon or Absolutely, a, a, yeah. a bike ride. And, uh, and, and you see people start, you know, we have, you know, aggressive wellness programs, and you see people, um, you know, start feeling better and getting more fit, and, uh, and that translates to them, you know, being happier on the job, and then they, you know, they, they perform better. They, they, they pick up that step. Our business is, is very high-level customer service, uh, guest services, so we've all got to be, you know, we've all got to have that smile on our face and uh, have that uh, hop in our step and uh, really try to make sure that we're always, you know, there for the guests and, and for each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of our favorite questions to ask our guests is uh, about their reading habits. So uh, maybe you could share with us what you're reading right now. Oh, okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, I think from a, from a business standpoint, I've uh, I just had a book uh, delivered to me uh, from a, a business partner that we're uh, you know may start doing some work with. It's along the lines of the staffing side of things because, like many organizations, we really have uh, probably one of our greatest challenges is, is, is staffing and recruiting, finding the right people. And then on the flip side of that, sometimes you think you found the right person, and it, it turns out they turn out not to be partner of mine sent me a book called You're Not the Person I Hired, a, <laughs> a CEO survival guide to hiring top talent. And, and it really talks about how we're all caught in, in a lot of these traditional ways of, of staffing, recruiting, and, 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 you know, how many of us try to take the shortcuts, you know, shooting from the hip, crap shooting, you know, that kind of stuff, looking for the shortcuts. And uh, yeah, I think the message at the end of the day I haven't quite finished the book, but what I'm picking up on is there are no shortcuts. You know, it's, it's a very stringent process, and you got to have your process laid out, have your expectations laid out, and you got to stick to it. If you write down these are the five things I need from this candidate or this next hire, you got to stick with it because if you sell yourself short, usually it's going to come back and, and bite you down the road. Just kind of reading through that book there. Um, and then just for fun, I just picked up... Uh, you know, just picked up a copy of um, you know Stephen King's uh, Doctor uh, Sleep, so just kind of breaking the cover of that. Uh. Well, it's uh, it's always fascinating when we get the some suggestions from our guests on what they're reading because our, our listeners love to check out those books and and read them and learn more. And sometimes it's a nice way to to kind of look and peer into the mind of of someone who they might look up to, like yourself and find out where, where you're getting your information or where you're getting your inspiration from. Um, it, it can really, really help. So uh, one of the other questions that I wanted to ask you, it sounds like talent or, or hiring and, and getting those right people in there might be your biggest challenge. But before I assume that, you know, is that your biggest challenge or are you dealing with maybe even something even bigger within your organization from an HR standpoint? I would say it is our greatest challenge. Uh, I, I think the other challenge we talked about uh, a little bit earlier is, is, is communications. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we, we just live in a, there, there's so much, you know, there's so much communication, there's so much kind of noise with, you know, emails and phone calls and one-on-one conversations and, and uh, you know, social media, all this information flying around and, and uh, you know, how do you, how do you funnel that? How do you get people to focus on certain communication messages is, is a big challenge. But, but certainly you gotta, you gotta, you got to have the people in place uh, to communicate. So it all starts with, you know, with finding finding the talent and and not just finding 
I'm just hiring anybody. Well, what I always tell our folks, hey, you know, in a perfect world, we can hire somebody today that can not only do that job that we're hiring them to do, but can take on more tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So, and that's what, to me, what talent really means is the ability to take on more. That's where we, uh, that's our challenge, and that's where we, you know, every day, you know, look to, um, you know, figure out how we get get a step closer to, um, you know, having the, uh, you know, the best workforce in, uh, you know, in our industry. Well, Steve, I really appreciate you being on the show today. I, uh, you are a, really a great guest, and we really enjoyed learning more about your organization and how you handle HRs within Penske. And I uh, hope that you'll uh, want to come back one day and, and share again with us on what you're doing. Very much so, Chris. Thank you very much for the opportunity to uh, to be on the program. And uh, before we go, how can uh, people reach you or find out more about uh, Penske? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, my email address is uh, steve.nunez at penskemotorgroup.com. And then our website, penskemotorgroup.com, has a lot of great information about, about who we are. Well, fantastic. Steve, thank you so much for being my guest today. That is uh, about all the time we have uh, for today's show. Thank you again to my uh, special guest, Allende uh, Alakeye and Steve Nunez. Tune in next week at the same time, 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, for Talent Talk Radio, brought to you by People G2. Uh, next week, we should have uh, Michael Gorlick, Vice President of uh, Benefit Equity, and Lisa Perrin, CEO of Symbolta Systems Corporation. Until then, do what you love and show the world how talented you can be today. You've been listening to Talent Talk Radio Show brought to you by People G2. People G2, a company founded in 2001, dedicated to helping clients with their people-related decisions by giving them access to the best human capital, due diligence, and background checks on prospective candidates, business partners, tenants, and more. To learn more about People G2, simply visit them online at www.peopleg2. That's peopleg2.com. Or check them out on Facebook. Or tweet them at their Twitter handle, at PeopleG2.